0: Hi I'm Alex Ashton, and this is The Detail. Today, is bullying becoming rampant in the workplace, or is it just the latest trend in office angst? Most of us spend most of our waking lives at work. You're starting a new career. It can be fun, or it can be hard. But when you're being bullied there, the daily grind can get a whole lot harder. Well, don't forget, the golden rule works there, just as it does anywhere else. Treat others as you want to be treated. Clearly, though, it's not that simple. A report this year found a bullying culture in Parliament. There have been accusations against MPs. The final report into alleged bullying by the Labour MP Makawhaiteri has been publicly released. The report
1: writer, lawyer David Patton, says the explanation provided by the staffer is more probable than the minister's version of the events.
2: Maggie Barry has spent the weekend denying she bullied two staff members, saying investigations found no evidence of bullying in her office. But now another former staff member has spoken out with fresh allegations of a toxic workplace.
0: The legal profession found itself at the centre of a bullying storm, as have high-profile public servants.
2: Whilst the IPCA has found inappropriate behaviour... Uh, there has not been uh, a clear uh, a threshold met uh, for the removal of Mr Homaha from his role. Retirement Commissioner Diane Maxwell's been cleared of bullying and will return to work tomorrow. She was stood down in December after accusations from staff
0: members. A NZ survey done at the end of last year found one in ten workers felt bullied at work. A long-serving police officer has spoken out about the bullying he's suffered at work, calling it a form of mental abuse which is widespread. Stories of rampant and widespread bullying in the police force are the most recent to come to light. Ben Strang is RNZ's police reporter.
1: I've been hearing these stories for the best part of a decade. Um, back when I was a emergency services reporter at a community paper in Kapiti, I'd heard a few of these stories from... People I was reporting on or people I was close to work in the police or, you know, family, friends, that sort of thing. But it wasn't until November last year that I started to formally ask people about it. So over over a 10-month period up until this month, I was talking to as many people as I could who worked in the police, either sworn or non-sworn staff, and, yeah, got up to 21 people over that 10-month period with similar stories. What's more... Staff
0: members aren't making official complaints because of fears the information will go straight back to their bully, making matters worse.
1: For the first story, 21 people had talked to us. That went out on a Monday morning, and over the next eight hours, the phone in the RNZ office was just going off. Um, it was crazy. There was, you know, I'd be on the phone to one police officer, and you'd have, I think, We maxed out about four other phones ringing at the same time all wanting to talk to me about the bullying story.
0: Last week, RNZ reported the concerns of 21 police officers and non-sworn staff members who said bullying was rife within the police. Since then, more have come forward, including current and former HR employees who say the department is failing to properly deal with the issue of bullying.
1: And over the next couple of weeks, that's risen to just shy of 80 people. The common theme is that... You get verbal abuse being sworn at. You are excluded from work groups, so you're isolated. It makes you feel like you're not part of the team. Um, And that's only made worse if you do go through and make a complaint because then it's seen as you're complaining about your own mates. You know, snide comments, snide remarks, as one person put it, um, about being isolated from your team... It's all very similar. Some of it's schoolyard stuff. I've heard of complaints um, from people who you know might not fit the policing mould. They might be overweight, and um, you know I've heard of Māori and Pacifica people in South Auckland who connect with the people who live there um, like nobody else, in the police does, and is able to get results where you know other police officers weren't. But they've been bullied out of the police force because they were overweight or um, you know, might not have looked the part i mean this this is
0: some of it is just schoolyard sort of stuff, and you say bullied out of the police force was it so bad that some people actually left?
1: Yes, yeah, um a, a lot of people have left i mean you're you're talking about some some people i 've had three or four people who have had suicidal thoughts after all of the bullying they 've thought that one way to get out is just to to end it essentially um, one of those people is a person I talked to. In February and March, and we did a story with him today. Detective Peter Farrell. He suffered years and years of abuse, and for a while there, he just thought the only way to get out was to to end it all. Basically,
3: you end up walking into work, and you go into the station, and you think, "What's going to happen now?" You know, uh, you dread seeing these people.
1: Yes, yeah, so Peter Farrell came to New Zealand, I think, in two thousand and seven from Britain. So he's an ex. British cop, he's an ex-British Army soldier.
3: Even when you're in the changing rooms and you, you, you're you getting ready for work and they might be there and you just can't talk, you can't say anything, you become... Your feelings inside start taking over.
1: He was very, very nervous to be meeting with us. It was him and his partner. We found a, a dark corner at a, at a bar and just sat down and talked, didn't record anything. I took some notes, and he was very scared about what would happen if the police found out that he was talking about this culture and said, basically, there's a, a, a culture of fear in the police that, and you can't talk out about this sort of stuff. You can't, for lack of better words, he, he said, you can't shit on your own, it's... It's a really tough um, scenario for him, so he was, he was terrified.
3: Butterflies in your stomach, but not butterflies of happiness or elation at meeting somebody. It's butterflies of nervousness of what's going to happen.
1: In March, he was back in Wellington, and we set up a formal interview where we recorded him and had a chat with him, and, and it was much the same. He tried not to talk about anything that would identify where he was from or, or who had bullied him. Talking to him for just over an hour, he broke down in tears five, six, seven times talking about the things that have happened to him.
0: And what sorts of
1: things were those? It's very basic stuff. The the things he talked about, he said he never had anything physical happen to him because if that happened, the complaints process is pretty simple. You physically abused somebody, assaulted somebody, you're in trouble.
3: I would prefer to call it mental abuse. Snide remarks, snide comments, acting towards you in a certain way, ignoring you, coming in speaking over.
0: Why did he waive his anonymity? Anger. He was
1: angry at uh, the commissioner, Mike Bush, for his comments on bullying. Basically, he thinks that Mike Bush is burying his head in the sand on the issue. He Mike Bush said that Bullying is not widespread in the police. It's not a major issue that they have to deal with. And As the commissioner,
2: I ensure that anything's followed up and we create a culture where it's safe for people to work. If we hear about it, we do something about it.
1: Basically, Peter Farrell doesn't believe what these people are saying and I think realised that while we have this bulk of people who are anonymous and talking to us about bullying... Sometimes somebody has to put their face to it and their name to it for people to realise that this isn't something that's made up, it's actually happening, it's actually real.
3: It's just this group of people, they get together and they just start and they don't stop until they get you. When they get you, they don't let you go.
1: The other one is three of the women I've talked to say that when they complained about being bullied, their managers asked if it was just that they were on their period or something, which is
0: astonishing really i mean they, so that they say the women they, are sorry that happened when they raised the complaint they were asked that
1: yes that's right yeah they they raised a complaint they said that they were being bullied by somebody and a direct boss or, or the one above has just said look it was the senior sergeant who asked um is the reason that you're so upset is, is it because you've got period troubles which obviously wasn't the case
0: Can you talk me through how the police's internal system works for reporting bullying and and theoretically dealing with it?
1: There's a few different ways that it can be dealt with. One is their Speak Up hotline, um, which can be used in three ways. Basically, you can call an 0800 number and make a complaint through that. You can log into an online portal through the police intranet and put an anonymous complaint there. Or you can talk to an on-site harassment officer, I think they're called, Uh, who will deal with the complaint in person. From there, the complaint will go to the bully themselves because they have the right to know that they've been complained about and what's been alleged and basically is given the opportunity to defend themselves. And it also goes through to management and that sort of thing because they are supposed to direct the complaint to somebody to deal with. If it's them and they don't have a conflict of interest, then they can deal with the complaint. But often they're the ones being complained about, and then when they go to select or push it on to somebody else to deal with, they're able to choose their buddies to to deal with these complaints, and that means that the process just isn't working properly. So you're having the manager who's been bullying you dealing with the complaint on in the initial phase, and that's supposed to go to somebody independent, away from them who's not going to be biased or anything, but instead it might go to that manager's boss who has appointed that person because they like them or whatever it may be um, and almost condones the bullying. That's the cycle that everybody seems to be describing within the police is you get promotions based on being part of the boys club and then you're protected by those people if complaints are made.
0: And is that how the complainants describe the culture, boys club? Yes, boys club, mates club.
1: Um, those sorts of things if you're in the club you're not going to be bullied and your chances of gaining promotions and moving up the ranks are pretty good but if you're outside the club then you can forget about moving up the up the ranks and you can just expect to be bullied or harassed or wherever it may be do the police accept
0: that they have a bullying culture no they,
1: they they wholeheartedly reject the thought that they have a bullying culture. Um, The head of their human resources department, Kay Ryan, has said that multiple times. They do not have a culture of bullying. But we have heard from them that there are problems with the complaints process, particularly the Speak Up hotlines.
2: It obviously takes immense courage to come forward with a complaint about a a colleague. But we have had feedback um, that there is confusion in relation to the process and the requirements. There can be a lack of knowledge and consistency of what people should do.
1: There is a very clear policy when it comes to Speak Up about how it should operate. I've seen the full policy document. I've seen how these complaints are supposed to be dealt with by managers. There's a flow chart, in fact, which shows you is there a conflict of interest, yes or no, and you can go down to see what you're supposed to do with this flow chart.
0: But do the 80-plus the people that have complained, do they think it's just a problem with the Speak Up hotline, or do they...? No, not at all. No. no. They think
1: that's a cop-out, basically. They think that the police, senior management, are burying their heads in the sand and are unwilling or essentially ignoring this culture that is within the police. They think that they just don't want a bar of it, and it's helped some of these people potentially get to the top, whatever it may be, and just don't want to hear it.
2: I have represented people who've worked for the police in bullying allegations, and so I'm not surprised that that's now some of those are now public.
0: Caroline Riga is an employment law partner at Morrison Kent.
2: And I'm definitely not surprised, on a day-to-day basis, to see that bullying has become a major headline in in New Zealand around workplaces.
0: Is bullying becoming more widespread, or? Are we just less tolerant of it?
2: I believe the peak in bullying cases that we've seen is actually a result of a number of factors. The first is the employment law trends that we see. In the 90s, we saw RSI, 2000, stress was a big one. People were going off on stress leave. Then recently, because of the Health and Safety at Work Act, legislation came through in late 2015, early 2016. That has led to an increase in the number of bullying claims. And then, of course, recently we've seen the Me Too movement as well.
0: WorkSafe defines bullying as repeated and unreasonable behaviour that can lead to physical or psychological harm, It is not, says WorkSafe, one-off rudeness, setting high standards or constructive feedback. Under health and safety laws, WorkSafe can take employers to court, but it says it only will when there's been a diagnosis of a mental health condition caused by the bullying. Between December 2013 and April this year, it received 228 complaints of bullying, but only investigated 20 of them. Is the line actually very clear-cut between something like harsh management and bullying?
2: So often I will be advising people who tell me they are being bullied when what it actually is is just day-to-day management. The WorkSafe guidelines are very clear about what is and isn't bullying and reasonable expectations and high expectations are something that aren't As long as you're being asked in a reasonable way, in a polite manner, and even sometimes in a strong manner, is still not bullying.
0: So you're approached by people who say they're being bullied and they're not, but I guess you'd also get the other side too.
2: So I have seen things that would make your skin crawl in terms of what people have to deal with in their day-to-day working environment. People work on average 8.30 to 5.30 every day and they're spending the majority of their lives at work and some people are being put through what can only be described as the worst working environment from a psychological point of view that any human being should have to endure in a first world country.
0: Wow, what sorts of situations are you seeing?
2: People screaming at their employees, people throwing things across, Rooms, so the, the things that you would see on American television um, as examples of bullying. But that's the really obvious stuff, or what we would refer to as overt bullying. The stuff that's the scariest and harder things for people to deal with is what we refer to as covert bullying. So undermining people, sending emails after an email's been sent saying, ignore what they've said they don't know what they're doing, cutting people out of the loop so they can't actually do their jobs, denying them the ability to have work so they don't meet budgets, and then sort of the high school mean girls of, you know, getting the the click together and excluding members of staff who don't fit within the mould.
0: At what stage does it come to you? Because most importantly, employers have internal processes and stuff?
2: So normally what has happened is they can't deal with it anymore. They've had something that's the straw that's broken the camel's back and they've started having an inability to sleep at night, noting deteriorations in their external relationships, whether that's with their friends and family, because they can't deal with what they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, they're starting to experience anxiety or depression. And so they have either gone to a doctor or they're thinking about going to a doctor and they that's normally when they call someone like me and say, I can't deal with this anymore, I need some help. And I've been told that I might have some rights that have been breached.
0: What about on the other side, when somebody approaches you and says, look, I've been accused of bullying?
2: Normally... The first time they would come to me is they would have received a letter inviting them to either a disciplinary or investigation meeting. So they have received some sort of acknowledgement from their employer that they are investigating what's happening in their workplace.
0: And that must be not a particularly pleasant letter to get.
2: No, so they are as distressed, if not sometimes more distressed than the person who's alleged the bullying. They are often perplexed about why this allegation has come through. Some are very conciliatory and understand that they've stepped over the line of what is reasonable in in a workplace environment, in an adult environment. Some are very defensive because they consider that they have just been managing the employee or potentially the employee isn't. That the other employee isn't performing, and so they've been trying to work through with them why they're not performing, and then now they're being claimed. Uh, sorry, they've been accused of of bullying.
0: Once an accusation has been made and an investigation starts, is there any coming back from that? I mean, sh- sure, you know there are lots of outcomes from an investigation, but really once once it's started, can a workplace relationship recover?
2: I have seen them recover. Um, they are the exception, not the rule, the recovery situation. That's normally with a very skilled facilitator coming into the work environment and getting agreements between the parties is how to each of them will behave. Uh, to the extent that I've seen a facilitation agreement where the employees have to they have a particular protocol as to how they address each other in the lift on the way to the office in the morning.
0: Really? That's specific?
2: That's that's specific because that sets up the whole day. So it was to the extent that you don't walk in and say good morning, you walk in and say morning, which is an acknowledgement that the other person is in the lift, but you're not opening up a conversation as to whether it is, or a bad morning. It is that specific. Wow. (laughs) Some of them are. Yeah. And some of them have to be um, because that is how bad it is um, for the employees on a day-to-day basis. However, as I said before, that's the exception, uh, not the rule. My experience is that someone leaves the organisation.
0: You said before that... There are trends in employment law, the RSI, the stress leave, and now bullying is sort of looks like the most recent employment law trend. Do you see it being a trend, something else coming up?
2: I would never have thought that bullying would have taken over as the trend from stress. So there will definitely be something else that comes up. I think people behaving appropriately in a workplace should be a minimum expectation. But I do think we need to be careful that we don't create an environment where people being asked to do their job are going to have a right to allege bullying. People do overuse the word bullying in workplaces. Harsh management and expectations, they are very real things that people need to do on a day-to-day basis. You you need to ask someone to get something done. You need to say, look, you did something and uh, you've done this piece of work and it's not to the standards that it needs to be. Can you please correct it? You need to be able to manage and train staff without at every turn being worried that you're going to get a bullying complaint against you. But people need to also improve their skills and being able to have those hard conversations
0: that's the detail for today i'm alex ashton the detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz made possible by the rnz nz on air innovation fund hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day and if you're on apple please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us This episode was engineered by Rangi Poek and produced by Alexia Russell. Our associate producer is Keitaki Masalamini. Ka kite anō.